Welcome to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast, where our team is helping people build their financial freedom. And one of the things we talk a lot about is saving and investing 25% of one's income. And I'm your host, Joel Farrell. And each week we dig into the ways that people are generating more income to be able to save more money and the ways that they are investing that hard-earned dollar. And lastly, the how, how people are making these changes. Because again, we're talking about changes. We're talking about changing behaviors. Let's get into today's content so we can help you on your financial journey towards living a life with the power of choice. Welcome back to another episode of the Strive 25 podcast. And I've got a couple of gentlemen here that I've known for a while. Uh, Brian Brown, Jimmy Haley, guys that I've uh, played baseball with growing up. Um, and these guys are in the short-term rental Airbnb business. And I kind of want to share uh, a little bit about what they do and uh, the markets and all that stuff. But go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Brian Brown, former college teammate, two different colleges of Joel Farrell, and um, one of the co-owners of Cardinal Vacation Homes. That's my partner, Jim, right next to me. Yeah, pretty much the same story. Uh, teammate of Joel Farrell's. Two different colleges as well, and co-owner of Carlin Vacation Homes for going on three years now. Right, three years, three years. Started um, right before the quarantine. Yeah. Great time for travel business, Joel. <laughs> and you're still here, alive. We're to talk still about here it. to talk about. It. Made it through. So, at, at this point, the short-term rental business in the same Louis, right? Like. Florida, the Smoky Mountains, beaches, like, okay, people, that's a destination for, you know, vacations, summers, whatever, like, that's, that's, you know, kind of the typical type of conversations that I hear personally, um, but short-term rental market in St. Louis is not really a destination place. Um, how would you describe this market? How would you describe the business that goes on here in St. Louis? Uh, yeah, it's not somewhere you would typically put on your top 10 bucket list got to see the views in St. Louis places to go, but we are right in the middle of the United States. We're a hub city for a lot of events and we're a travel hub city. A lot of people staying just for short periods here. We got a lot of universities in town, a lot of convention centers and uh, just a lot of good families traveling to meet up, you know, at a central location. So we're actually an A minus to a B plus market in Airbnb, which basically means that, you know, yes, we survived some seasonality a little bit, but pretty much all year round, there's people traveling here. So it's really about building the most quality units and infrastructure to make sure the guests, you know, know and have the experience, know they're going to have the experience that they want when they come. So middle of the country, right? What are some of the, the examples of the consistent things that people are coming in town for? College graduations are huge one for us. Obviously, our national attractions like the zoo, you know, we have the MLS team here now, obviously the Cardinals, the Battle Hops. When you say universities, just for people out there that, that aren't familiar with St. Louis, and you've got St. Louis University, you've got Washington um, University, UMSL, UMSL, Webster, Bonbon, Aristo, um, and a lot of smaller College of Pharmacy, St. Louis College of Pharmacy is another big one. Logan College, Logan College out in the county. Yep, I mean you got any number of community colleges that are a really big portion of of education in St. Louis. Um, so yeah, I mean you know at least over a dozen universities in town. 
and parents that, you know, are coming in to see their kids, not just for graduation, but drop off and other times throughout the year. Those are great ones. Um, we get a lot of religious conventions that come in town, um, just general conventions. We do get a lot of, there's a lot of sports competitions here in St. Louis. We get a lot of different teams that are competing in anything from baseball or soccer to cycling or things like that. So it's a, it's a wide variety of people that come in town, but I would say the majority of our guests are families that are meeting to try to find a budget-friendly place to get everyone together in one house. Gotcha. From a, a standpoint of uh, the, the business, you know, how many units or properties, I mean, explain a little bit about that that you guys have that you operate. So we have 11 units currently, two multifamilies, and the rest are single family homes. So doubled in business in 2023, taking on some more property management post opportunities. Uh, we self manage some of our properties. So we have a little bit of a, a wide variety of homes in the city. Yeah, we uh, initially weren't planning on doing a lot of management, but I think lately we found a lot of people with a similar mindset to us that just are wanting to be more hands-off with their side hustle. And, you know, we're happy to be of service for that. This is something that we enjoy doing and uh, really think that we can help others achieve their goals along these lines. There's a lot of people that, you know, manage maybe a long-term rental and don't know or they're a little afraid of what the extra work might be involved with managing a short-term rental and it does exist but we've really tried to get that down to a process that you know is consistent and um helpful to everybody who's investing in these type of things so so when you say kind of the differentiating between managing versus non-managing you're talking about hey you guys have your own properties that you do in your own manage and then managing other people's properties as a certain percentage mm -hmm. so there's a lot to kind of unpack with this, the business, how it works, you know, good, bad, the other thing different. How did you get in? How did you start this? What was the, the process of getting in in the very first place, three years ago or before that? Yeah. Um, I previously worked in sales at the corporate level. I was in an enterprise for a handful of years and at AT&T for about eight years. Um, corporate, you know, doing retail sales and management and really just burning the candle at both ends, um, you know, commission structures that you can earn your own paycheck with limits to it. Just not being in control of my own money. That's really where I was at. So I wanted to find another avenue where it's a little more independent of, you know, the way that you can create your own, create your own paycheck. And uh, so I started working with another management group that managed vacation rentals and quickly wanted to bang my head against the wall for not getting into real estate 15 or 20 years ago mm -hmm. and really fell in love with it right off the bat. So uh, decided, hey, this is something I think, I'm not sure I can do it on my own, but I need a spreadsheet partner that can help me out with the numbers. <laughs> and so uh, Jim and I teamed up. Yeah, so for me, it was a little bit of a different story or a path, I guess you could say. I started investing in real estate about 12 years ago or so. Um, flipping properties kind of inconsistently, one here, one a year, one every other year. Um, started to make it a little bit more of a consistent side hustle, I guess you could say, the last few years. So I was starting to do about two or three a year. 
and while working full time, was just kind of really getting burnt out about the grind and the, uh, you know, the managing the project and kind of fully being as good as my next flip, uh, my next opportunity. And so kind of was looking for something quote unquote long-term from a rental standpoint. And Brian kind of approached me with the idea and I said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> That's how it went. You mentioned a couple things. Um, side hustle and then kind of uh, the point of you know banging your head not getting any 15 years ago and you know this this platform it's all about how does the everyday person get ahead and build wealth and you know the purpose is to show and share examples of everyday people who are doing things and getting ahead and when we when i hear when we hear stories like this right like families kids side hustle like there's only so much time in the day so it's an art form to pack, pack in this extra stuff, to build a business or do a side hustle, whatever, to be able to fit in the time to be able to make something happen and actually get traction. Um, so side hustle, I, I think it's just important to kind of say it out loud. That like, you know, at the end of the day, you're sacrificing, I'm assuming you're sacrificing a lot to choose to go down this path uh, in terms of time with friends and family or whatever else. But you've chosen that path for why. Can, can you put it into, into more of a, more an explanation? You, you said, banging your head against the wall and not getting in 15 years. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, you can't punish yourself for something that was out of your, you know, something in the past. I didn't know what I was missing for the longest time, but it just clicked with me. I think sales-wise, my personality really quickly. I was able to kind of utilize the skills that I had already developed. And, uh, you know, but I really liked the independent side of it. And so when we... Uh, you know, that that all being said, I think you have to, right? You have to find something that you were passionate about doing on the side because it is going to burn you out if you don't love doing it. It's not something you wake up thinking about. And uh, that's what it was for us pretty much right away. And it's now growing. I mean, you have expectations of what things are going to turn into and hopes. And uh, I'd have to say that we're about where we expected we'd be at this point, which is crazy to think about. But but why real estate? skills the experience of expertise i think it's the the mix of opportunities you know short-term rental is one of about a hundred different ways you can invest in real estate and get involved and uh it's just the route we chose that we kind of had the vision on but there's literally anybody can see a way in and create their own business out of it so short-term rental right uh, for, for you that was something you knew or comfortable with but why does a business succeed versus the ones that, that don't? What are some of the things that have to happen, the skill sets that have to you know, be executed on to be able to make sure we're staying above ground, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why you might succeed or fail. I think the biggest one is lack of uh, attention to the customers, the guests. It's really easy to lose your rankings really quickly by not answering questions fast enough or at all, or not having the places properly cleaned and ready. And uh, it's really simple if you do it right, but if you start you know, cutting corners or being a little lazy there, you'll go downhill really quick. So I think just keeping it really clean and tight. And that's where the experience for both of us at a big corporation where you have to deal with that on a daily basis, um, you know, kind of gives us an advantage there. But I also think that there's a lot of factors that go in that, you know, it's location, 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 you know, what amenities you're putting in. There's 
I, I would say about 25 different factors that you kind of have to have them all running correctly. Um, in terms of why short-term rental though, it's pretty, pretty simple. And what I saw when I started doing this was, you know, there's people that are scaling up hundreds of properties all over the country and they're doing long-term rental and they're making it out 500 bucks a year. Maybe a thousand bucks if everything's airtight, all their finances are perfect. They refied, they've got everything lined up perfect. Um, on average, we're making about four X traditional rent. Now we have a couple extra expenses like cable and internet um, and utilities that, that cleaners and well, the cleaners are built in. We actually profit off the cleaners. Um, but there's other expenses that are involved that you wouldn't have, but not four X worth of expenses. And so the profit margins potentially are way higher. And uh, not everybody's making four X, um, but you can even make two X if you just kind of do okay at this. Yeah, we always kind of describe the short-term industry as the wild, wild west, right? Like anything goes. You kind of make your own rules. You can really do whatever you want, which is a good and a bad thing, right? Because there are certain ways that you need to do things to be successful. Um, you know, Brian touched on the customer service side of it. Obviously, paying attention to details as far as what's included in the property. Um, and then it's easier providing for your guests. But you can do those things bad and still potentially make money. Right? I mean, there's a lot of people that just do things okay. But we're not really in the business of doing things okay. Uh, no. We're in the business of, of creating processes and systems and, and, you know, kind of this plug and play type mindset going forward where we kind of bring on hosts or we bring up new properties that we buy and we just really just plug them into our existing systems and it's taken us two plus years probably to get to that point with experimenting with different bms softwares and pricing softwares and you know cleaners and different things that we've had to do on our end to kind of get to that point but that's kind of where our fundamentals and our model going forward are really to set up all these systems and processes to kind of just have all those properties kind of plug and play and come in and they just kind of fit right into the, the system. So to kind of give an example, so pick a property that you purchased along the way, why that location, why that size or square footage or bedrooms and how it kind of fits into the landscape of other things that are out there. And then kind of going into the question, is this market saturated or not saturated or like that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, start with the saturation part of that because it ties in directly to the rest. Right now, there's a little over 2,000 units running in St. Louis that could arguably be considered a little bit saturated, but you know, that will there'll be some natural attrition as it speeds up and the bottom half stops stops making as much money. Now, what causes that bottom half, you know? There's the profitable people that do this, and there's people that struggle and, and worry a lot about how much they're going to make and making their bills. And I think the factors that go into that, again, majorly are customer service, cleanliness, just on a very upfront level. But on a longer level, it's really easy to buy a place that you think would work great. And there are there is like a formula to this, and location is probably the biggest part. There's some neighborhoods in St. Louis that are notoriously better at drawing people. Um, but I think that it's also, you know, size is a bigger one. A lot of people want to get a lot of cheap units. I want 10 
one or two bedroom units, you know, all in one building. So it's easy to clean them all. And it's just, you know, a lot of people really like the uniqueness about Airbnb. They want a different property every time they book. They really like the character of a lot of the older St. Louis homes. And so when you combine all these things together, you get this formula that says, well, they need space because they're meeting family. We need to at least have 10 or 12 people available to sleep in there. We need to have the amenities for a home. You know, we need to make sure that it's set up for the guests like they're living there for a week. Um, and then, you know, finally having that location that's not only comfortable, as safe as possible, but also near some other attractions too. It's really easy to find a nice place that's $100,000 less, but you're 20 minutes from the highway and you got no amenities in area at all. And is that really a deal or, you know, 10 years from now, what's the difference in revenue that I'm going to have from that? So, so people here in St. Louis, they know the different neighborhoods, you know, can you kind of share an example of one? Ah, share some secrets, huh? Well, maybe just one or two. Well, I think it's no secret that there's some very good neighborhoods in the St. Louis city area. And probably our favorite, I would say, Jim, is Shaw. Um, it's just got a very neighborhood feel. You've got the botanical gardens. You've got the hill right next door. But you also have some size, some redone properties. We have a two-family there that was just ranked the number nine unit in St. Louis in total revenue. And all it is is a 3-1 and a 2-1. And uh, location and all the other things we just talked about got it over $120,000 in 2022. So that's monster. It was pretty massive. I mean, consider what other ones are doing here. I mean, if you go to Florida, you'll find some making a lot more, but... But also going to be way more expensive. Correct. Correct. Yeah, this was a house we bought for three fifty or three sixty in twenty twenty, and now not only thanks to the uh, upswing in prices after COVID kind of died down, we've only we built up a lot of equity in this house, but this thing is just rolling along, ten grand a month. What's uh, an example of a couple of nearest restaurants on the hill? On the hill, or just I mean, in general, you know, the hills filled with Italian. I would go with Mama's, and I would go with I don't know. I can't pick one lunch spots. There's too many. Adrian, Adriana's is kind of a favorite lunch spot. Yeah, yep. I mean, you can't go wrong really anywhere on the hill. Yeah, we got Sia's. Yeah. So we have another one out located on the hill. It's right next to the piazza. It's one building away. It's got a spectacular location. It's a excellently designed little shotgun home, and it is a smaller one, two one one units. And this thing tears it up because of location. I mean, everybody wants to come to the hill that's here. And, uh, you know, again, we could have that same unit five miles further south and it would do a third the revenue. And so really just kind of saying, biting the bullet and saying, you know what, we might have to pay a little bit more premium to get the one that's going to earn. So if somebody wanted to check out some of the listings you have available online or on social media, like, what can I find you? Yeah, easy. It's www.cardinalvacationhomes.com. See our full lineup of properties. And uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us there. So if somebody is in state, out of state, and they want to go get into the game, they want to go purchase a short term rental, and then find a management company, are you guys accepting new clients right now? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we definitely have a standard that we're trying to keep our properties to. Um, you know, what I would recommend is to give us a call if you're looking, and especially if you don't know the area that well, we would help you find that ideal form-fitting, you know, earner. And uh, 
you know, also make sure it's a place that fits your personal wants too. But obviously the goal is to make money. That's what we're all here for. So when you go through the business, the process of building a business, right? There's a million things you're going to do to be able to make it a reality. And probably things you're obviously going to forget. But what stands out as a, a point in time where you said, you know what, like, I, mean, I think this is going to work. I don't know that we think that yet. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, for me personally, I wouldn't have started doing it if I didn't believe it was going to work. I took a lot of more preparation than I've done for anything in my life. I probably beat Jimmy amongst other people's brains into the ground, just going over potential scenarios and what I thought might help build this business right. And we, for the most part, have followed where we started. And, uh, you know, I got to say, we believed it would work from the beginning. I love it. There's no doubting. Don't, don't doubt oh, it. I can't say that. We can't say that there's never there's never been a doubt. So here's what it really meant. 2020, we're reared up, ready to go. We've got a little bit at a little bit of cash ready for probably two properties. As the first property gets purchased, there's rumblings of this weird sickness that's floating around the world and it's going to attack everybody. And we're like, you know what? We've come all this way. I'm not scared of this. What could this, what could this do? And uh, less than probably about a month and a half later, right after we closed, uh, everyone's not allowed to leave their homes and uh, no one's traveling for the unforeseeable future, possibly six months or a year, the way they were talking. And we're like, oh, that should work out well um, for us. Not only that, but we had a renovation crew set up and they pretty much all said, we're not working either. So kind of just got stuck with the property. And then you're sitting there second guessing yourself. Like, I mean, if there's ever been the stars aligning to not do something and you need a sign, this could be it. But I think we were already past that point. We were way, way too determined. Waited it out, bought our second property in September, probably July of 2020, and got it running in September, right? As people were starting to travel again. And it profited every single month, luckily. Every single month since we started. So, you know, I think the biggest thing that I would say, and it might sound like bad advice, is I mean, you just can't let anything stop you. Like, not even a worldwide pandemic that's shutting the whole world down. Just got to keep pushing. That, that's so interesting you bring that up. Um, you know, because that, that comment, just don't let anything stop you. I mean, what you guys are doing, I mean, not everybody wants to build a business on the side of tomorrow and wants to, to invest capital and take on risk. Because real estate's taking on risk. And I, I don't think everybody has that that type of mindset of nothing's going to stop me. Well, I've definitely not always had that type of mindset. Um, I think most people on this planet have always wanted to start something on their own. And I would say, I would argue, at least this is for me, but my guess for everybody would be that fear is the number one thing stopping you. It's that you see this mountain and you're like, ah, it's really easy to justify why you're not going to do something. And you could take any task and sit there and pick it apart really easily and make it look like some insurmountable goal. And uh, as long as you're doing that, that's exactly what it is. So I think that's really where it's just something turned in my head and said, I'm just going to knock this door down and see what happens. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like that's the thing. Like if we had screwed this whole thing up, we would have been in the same spot we were in. Maybe a little bit less cash in our pockets, but overall, I'm not going to be dead. So just go. Go, go, go.
It's definitely the right direction. It's funny, it's interesting because you brought up that point and it's like the fear of the unknown or the fear of lack of knowledge in something, right? So when you talk to people or you talk to like potential investors or somebody that really doesn't know much about short-term rentals and you kind of provide them with all the facts or the data and everything and they're still kind of like, oh, I don't know. You know, they, they, most people don't have that mindset where they can kind of get over their fear. And obviously there's a risk in real estate I think we're all well aware of that. Most listeners are probably too, but um, it's just interesting that the different mindset. I'm the same way. Like, that's never, I don't know. I guess I've always had that mindset. So it's never been like a fear of mine per se. Um, to a certain extent, I think we all think about things, right? The fear of our mind, too. Well, a little bit, right? Yeah. If you're like, you know, you have to. Think at least somewhat like okay, what if this doesn't work out, right? What's my next plan, or how are we going to get out of it? I mean, we have to have an exit strategy um, to a certain degree, but at some point we just kind of have to take the jump and take the plunge and go after it. Yeah, and not stop till you figure it out. Right. And, and part of the reason that I kind of put on that line of questioning is that you know real estate, right? I, well, what if I would have started this fifteen years ago? You know, well, like. If you would have told yourself 15 years ago, all the things you know now, would your old self 15 years ago, that the brain, the mindset that you were 15 years ago, would your mind, would you have been ready to receive the information? I mean, if I knew it was coming from me. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, uh, right, right. No, I wouldn't have listened to anybody for sure. <laughs> you know, a little side story here. This is, I kind of had an opportunity to do my own thing um, when I was 26. Another buddy of mine and I came up with an invention. And it seemed ridiculous at the time, but thought it was a really good idea. We came up with a prototype. This invention was called the Snagit. And what the Snagit did was it was a little pocket that you wrapped around your seat belt where it clicks in. And it goes in the space between your seat and the console of the car. So if you've ever been sitting in your car and you got your phone on your lap and it falls in that crack, you, you know how doomed you are. You're not getting it back till you stop the car. You're going to cut your hand on something. So we come up with this idea. It's great. So then I, you know, once we have the prototype, I look into getting a patent and then also a patent for the space, which I was aware I would need. So a patent for the idea, a patent for the space so nobody else could make a different invention. And then how much to make this scalable? Like how, what's it going to cost to produce one and then 1,000 of these things? And it would have been at the time I was 26 and a baseball coach. And it would have been, you know, 10 grand for each patent and 20 grand for the mold for the product. So I just shut it down. I thought that was impossible and there's no way. And, you know, it wouldn't work anyway. It's a dumb idea. And I just shut it down. Well, fast forward about five years, I'm watching everybody's favorite invention show, Shark Tank. And there is a product on called the Drop Stop. And the Drop Stop, it's not a pouch. It's a pad that fills the exact same spot between your seat and console. And for me, that's just been something like, I don't feel bad that I didn't do it because... I didn't. It was my choice, right? I, I mean, had the idea. Can't feel bad about it, but it served as a lesson that you know, everyday idea is a bad idea if you don't follow through on it. So, I think that plays out here. You know, my mindset was different at age thirty-seven or six when I started doing this. Was I got things to do this for now? I got two kids. I got my own well-being and knowing that I'm doing something I want to be doing and. Uh, 
So it keeps you moving. I love that. And I think it's so important to, to talk about this stuff because, you know, so many people, they have a job, they're in their comfort zone, they've got a 401k or a retirement and they're going to work till whatever, retiring 60, whatever. And, you know, the, a gentleman that we, I've talked about a lot actually on, on, on this, sh this show, his name is Marco Shiro and he's out in Hawaii and he's a firefighter. He's got a pension and, you know, pretty much set. Like, so work is 30 years and he's got a pension and he's going to retire at 60 or 55 or whatever he's going to go. And, you know, on air, he said, yeah, to me, that was risky because what if I, what if something happens to me before then? Like his father retired at 64, I think, and then six months or a year had a, a stroke and was just in a different health position. And he saw that and said, okay, well, that to me, if I could go down this path, I, I know I've got a great job, got a pension. That's risky because I don't have as much control as I, as I think that pension, it's in no man's land. Like it's not a 401k where you can see your statement. It's just a benefit you're going to have from the entire. And so we got into real estate and bought property in Pennsylvania, 5,000 miles away, and set up like 14 units in like two years. And so that's something that he's got on extra on the side. Like his why at that point was strong enough and how figured itself out. And it's like, you know, seeing people on this podcast, I can't remember, I'll talk to you guys about this. But, you know, we had a 19 year old kid. His name is James Bracken, the top 2% podcast in the world. Dude's 19. He's just doing some coaching and all Um, Just recently met a couple of kids um, here in St. Louis, 19-year-old also, that have a buy-sell trade store, selling shoes, Jordan shoes, high-end shoes. And, you know, they just got into, spilled up into a bigger location here in St. Louis. And it's like people that in, in that age bracket, there is very, very, very small percentage of people that are doing those kinds of things, right? But talking about these stores, talking about these opportunities like this, and I don't know how we, the yeah. mental side of this, how people get there. It's like, if you're in your comfort zone, you're not going to do something. Something has to happen. Well, I think there's a different mindset today, too. You know, I think with the whole podcast and motivational financial speaker movement that's going on right now, young people are more encouraged and more excited. And they see, they see the line. They see the vision of how to accomplish this. You know, I don't know if long term or not, it's good to have 19 year olds not in college, but that's you're seeing it a lot more and they're able to make money at a high level early because that opportunity is available to everybody. Out there. You know, it is a level playing field in terms of, you know, most, it's not like you're standing, sitting in a business meeting with everybody all the time. These are 19 year old kids out there doing their own thing, their own way, and no one can stop them or tell them it's a bad idea. Um, you know, I'm not going to say a lot of people were telling me it's a bad idea to start your own business, but I grew up in a corporate lifestyle family. Everybody worked a job that provided for them. And it was a crazy idea to go outside of that. Like, why would you risk all that when you know this way works? And uh, it's, I think for me, it is the risk. That's why I would do it. I enjoy that. I want to have my own fate in my hands. Control. Yeah. The 19 year olds are realizing that super early now. So kudos to these guys. We've talked some about them before. I mean, keep it up, you know, make sure you've got more than one plan, but yeah, you know, because as we're talking about that, just kind of in my brain, thinking about like the, you know, now, now it's the one and done. So you know, basketball player, top recruit goes to a college and plays one year and then gets drafted in the top, whatever picks lottery pick. And People see certain, you know, athletes succeed through that model of, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket, essentially, and, you know, 
Mm -hmm. Go to the league. And then people want to emulate that. And you don't go to school. You don't get your grades going. You, you kind of fall off the wagon because you, hey, you know, I'm going to get paid. Yeah, you're just dead set on that. And you don't do the little things that, that keep your... Well, I think the difference in those two is you're relying... You're still... If you're trying to go to the NBA, you're still relying on other people, right? You're relying on other people to tell you you're good enough to do it. Maybe you are. Maybe you're borderline. Maybe you're nowhere close. But if you don't really have a good feel for your own awareness, self-awareness for that, then you are going to be in trouble. Even if you're good, you know, at some point that'll match up. But I think for, for a lot of this younger wave that's blowing these businesses up, they've got self-awareness that's off the charts and just understand that, you know, I'm not going to be intimidated by anybody. I'm not going to have anybody tell me it's a bad idea. I'm just going to do it and show everybody and gotta love it. Yeah. Cause, cause when I think about that story about these kids and 19 year old kids, you know, and, they're, and I'm talking about the people, the people in their network, you know, people going to parties, drinking, this and that, like they're, they're leaving and putting the work in every single day they have distractions just like everybody else but they're, they're choosing intentionally to minimize those distractions and it's like yeah that that business buy sell trade of, of high-end shoes is just one example there's a million examples of ways that people in all ages are, are doing things creatively to make money whether it's online affiliate marketing social media whatever but like it's not i feel like not enough people talk about the why the how it's people's dedication consistency it's mindset it's Minimizing distractions, all these little things that like people don't think about when 10 o'clock goes around. And I, I know that I should be doing this, but I'll do it tomorrow. Some of these people that are selling, they're like, no, I'm going to be done right now. They're like, we're going to do more the next day. It's just a little bit of a different mindset on things. And that you add that up over days, weeks, months, and years, and that becomes the difference between people that are doing what you want. Yeah, mindset's a huge part of this for me. Um, sitting at a desk for seven straight hours under monitored supervision, I'm not going to give my best work. I'm, I'm going to be at about 40%. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. It's going to be very hard for me to buy into that, you know, especially if it's a repetitive type job. But that's the beauty of the side hustles. It's whatever you want it to be. Work when you can. Work when, you, when you're good at it. You know, I work better at night usually. Um, so, you know, make it what you want it to be. Absolutely. That's that's the beauty of it. So kind of going back to their business, as you look at the current landscape, you know, if, if somebody says, you know, I do want to check this out, I do want to maybe get into the real estate game, into Airbnbs here in St. Louis or wherever else. Um, does this model translate one year, five years, 10 years? I mean, obviously, there's plenty of unknowns. Um, but how, how would you answer that question? Yeah, I mean, as long as it's allowed in the city of St. Louis, this is a release for 10-year model. Um, and just to touch on that a little bit, um, legislation has been attempted to be passed a few times on this. There's always a bill running. And we try to keep up on current events with that. I don't think having extra legislation added for short-term rental in St. Louis is a bad thing at all. In fact, I think it will help with some of the saturation that's occurred that it can occur at times. Um, it'll it'll cut out a lot of the fat that's people just kind of throwing up a place and not really caring, you know, just not really putting the effort in, or more importantly to the city, paying the correct taxes and handling everything the right way. And so by making people get permits or regulations of other types, it's only gonna help. It doesn't scare us at all. They're not gonna shut it down. It brings in a ton of revenue for the city. Um 
and uh, ultimately it's good for tourism. It's good for people. You know, the, one of the knots in Airbnb is that it brings in riffraff and, you know, the neighbors in certain areas don't like having strangers in their property. This is 99% people just like us traveling and wanting a nice place where they can bring their dog and meet family members. And they leave the home in better condition than they found it. Um, you know, maybe once a month I have an interaction that worries me. But more overall, guests are, if you're doing it the right way and you provide a nice enough place, guests are great. They're the best part about it. So um, I want to share something that's uh, exciting for this platform, this show. We, we have our first sponsor that uh, just came on board. Um, and and um, I'm going to tie this into a question for you guys in a second, but um, you know, Wendy Cooley is a, is a, is a friend of mine. Um, she helped me buy my first short-term rental in Destin, and she works for Seen Sotheby's down the Emerald Coast area, and she's decided to, to sponsor the show, and she's our first sponsor. Um, so I want to give her a, a big shout-out. I tried memorizing your number, but I forgot. But we'll, we'll have her information in as part of the show notes. Um, and, and, and the reason... That one kind of also related, related this to you guys, not more than just the connection with sort of rentals. Um, because she's kind of a connection for me that helped me get in the beginning. Um, but like this podcast, you know, it was never something that I ever even dreamt of. You know, like growing up, like we're baseball players growing up, we played high school, college, like I just dreamt of like how cool would it be to be in the business. Like it never happened. Um, that's that's one of the dreams that I had, and I'm sure you guys had too. Having a podcast is the last thing I ever thought of just something that, that came out of something, a, a different desire that I had, which is, you know, kind of we're talking about that mindset of like, okay, what I have told myself 10 years ago, you know, and, you know, because as real estate kind of, you know, worked its way out into my life and things were going and having some success, I'm like, holy shit, like, values are going up, balances are getting paid down, I got a renter in the, in the property, and like, holy shit, like over five, 10 years, like, so adds up, and you continue to stack on top of it. And, you know, how could I help the next person see how valuable, you know, whether it be real estate or investing in general, but saving money and, you know, in our 20s or whatever, it's like, okay, we're going to go out to the bar, we'll have fun, we'll have a party, and we'll maybe find somebody we want to go date. And it's like, making me some money, but the money was going out just as fast as it was coming in. It's like, well, what if somebody was out there telling me, hey, you know what, like, go, go do all that, but take 100 bucks out of your paycheck and put it automatically in your savings. And just put it on autopilot and you don't think of it. Well, that, well, that's the beauty of not to steer it right back towards us, but that's the beauty of short-term rental is it's real estate investing. We're getting the equity built in the properties over time. Um, not as much rehab we're finding. We're actually like the retail properties as much as we like rehab properties. But when you have short-term rentals that you own, it is much more like a brick and mortar retail store than it is a real estate investment. And you actually have revenue coming in from essentially get customers walking into your store and exiting the store, not staying there long. They don't hold your property hostage like a renter might. Not that they're really doing that, but that's in there for a year or two. You don't get to do anything, right? So we can actually go in and make renovations or adjustments if needed. Um, and overall, and I go back to this, you know, uh, you know, you set aside the money to get to a point, but if you're a, if you have the ability to, to get a property, this does that exact same thing for it, setting aside the money for you. I mean, you're accumulating revenue every month. And if we're managing it for you, our, our 
hosts, the owners literally do nothing unless they want to. Right. So that's, uh, you know, mailbox money is definitely a stretch. I don't know if that actually does exist in this world, but this is about as close as you can get. Because once you've got your property in order, the occupancy set up, we take care of the rest. So the, the idea of telling your former self that, right? Like someone can hear it, someone can, can receive the message, but are they going to act on it? That's probably a different part of the equation. Well, one thing I want to talk about real fast is that the real estate and the way we do it, and even any long-term rental, I mean, but when you think of it from a high level, like 30,000 foot view, it's like you have a piece of property that someone else is paying for, right? And so like someone else is paying down the mortgage. You're not paying that mortgage. Someone else is paying for your utilities and all your expenses. So as long as you can do that and you can scale appropriately, I mean, you can, you can build an empire. I mean, for, you know, for, for lack of better terms, right? I mean, so like the retail store, and that theory or that model is like someone is paying for us to invest in real estate. Like, which is well, I'm to go with that. We've had enough to go with that. We, we've actually only put money down out of our own pockets on the first two properties and the rest have come from refinances and everything else. And so pulling, pulling cash out. And so now it's turning into something where it's, I mean, we're not even hurting ourselves to purchase these things. It's just when will the bank let us do it next? So, and kind of the reason why I was kind of bringing up the, um, the purpose, the, the, how Strive, the purpose of Strive and telling my, my old self 10 years ago or whatever, what would I told myself kind of a thing like the podcast is never getting something that I even thought of just it's part of the I was doing work trying to be able to make an impact and then certainly just kind of came out of the thin air and I look okay, maybe, maybe I should just try this out and then went down the lane. You guys have been putting all this work in for a number of years in time. Um can you share any examples of a door or an opportunity that opened up that like never even you imagined or dreamed of that just also just popped out of nowhere because of the work you put in? Uh-huh. I can talk about one, maybe. Um, we have a property that Brian had mentioned that we bought right before COVID. It's um, down in Soulard. It's turned into a much larger project than we first anticipated. Uh, like Brian said, you know, COVID happened. We couldn't get crews. We had crews bailing. Uh, and, you know, we, we started to kind of continue to build our business on the side and not stop acquiring properties and managing properties. And, you know, a, a connection came about when we were able to bring on a, a private investor uh, more recently and he's helping fund the rest of the rehab. He's managing the project. And so that's just an example of kind of something that just really came out of nowhere. Um, but it was kind of a result, I guess, of, of the work that we put in the last few years. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I are both good at building connections, but we, as any business does, it's like, show me the money. But you guys are saying all these amazing things. It sounds awesome. But once we started getting one and two year worth of, you know, worth of, worth of revenue that we could just show really easily on one piece of paper, text even. Here's what here's the property, here's what it costs, here's what we made this year. And people's eyes just, oh, oh, so you actually can do it. So now it's opened up a lot of things really quickly and to be expected. You know, we knew that going in that, you know, you try and you scratch and claw and you try to I think that's a good thing overall, bringing us back to your point about the 10 years ago, what would I tell myself is 
it's hard enough to get started. It's scary. You got to put something out. You got to take a risk to do it. And then once you get going, things might not go perfect on the first try. I'm sure not every one of your flips went great off the bat. Um, but you see where you might have missed, missed an opportunity somewhere or you see what worked and what didn't. And it's really little easy adjustments that you just got to keep chugging along. You know, I don't think there's anything that exists that is worth accomplishing that takes three tries and you're already an expert. So just got to keep going. Yeah, I love that point because this is something that I've had to learn. I probably said this many times on the channel, but like, you know, the greats, the Kobe's, the Jordan's of the world. And, and this is something that Tim Grover, their trainer, talks about on his book winning. Um, you know, the greats, they don't count down to a deadline, five, four, three, two, oh, deadline's found half that's on the way to get over the finish line. Those guys put a goal out there and they literally don't stop till they get there, which is what you said before. You know, this is my standard. This is my goal. This is my vision. And it's like, okay, I'm on day two. I'm on day 20. I'm on day 240 until I reach my goal. And it's like, they look at time differently. And it's like, once I started kind of adopting that kind of mindset, sort of simplifying my life, getting rid of some of the chaos priorities and like, okay, taking some of the pressure off too. Because like, we all have deadlines, we'll have you know, our own internal things that take them in sometimes maybe derail us. So, you know, like focusing on just getting the work done and the amount of time it takes. Um, when you fast forward the clock five years, 10 years, you know, do you see yourself, where do you see yourself with, you know, your business going? Um, that's a great question. I think for us, it's definitely still going to be doing what we're doing uh, at a scalable level, hopefully up to at least 30 or 50 units at that point. But, you know, really hard to kind of set goals for what you want to accomplish. It's more about, you know, year by year, what are we going to do to improve? Or more importantly, day by day, week by week, just keeping those goals and short mindsets and just knowing that we're on the right track. You know, I think one of the hardest things to do for me personally is to give myself credit that we're doing it right. I always have that extra worry that we're not doing something or that, you know, whatever, whatever. I mean, I think a lot of people could relate to that. But just have faith in the system and, and know that, you know, it is working. So let's make the adjustments and not worry about, you know, what giant changes need to be made. Um, but uh, I think the next big phase for us is going to be destination properties and really doing market research. And, you know, we can do this literally anywhere in the world we can manage a property from it that's the beauty of it so where is the best opportunity for return on investment and uh where do we kind of want to go hang out that's the other benefit to these right where are we going to go bahamas italy i don't know you know um so long term yeah maybe having a pin dropped in every continent maybe that would be the goal i mean it's growing out there again yeah. You never know. You've got to go once. Everybody's got to go once. We'll have the only place. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's kind of our next major goal, maybe you could say, or vision is maybe to kind of expand a little bit in some different markets. Um, What's the first thing with the first state, city that pops in your brain that you want to go to? Omaha, I can smell. <laughs> no, I don't know. What? It's the first one that popped in. We've been looking we got, at it. We got a potential there. opportunity there to to do a couple things right now. It's it's moving along. And um, yes, it's a real place. Look it up. It's not. You know, it's, it's actually on the uh, on Table Rock Lake. 
just across the okay. Missouri border. Cool. Um, so we have a potential to go there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think probably if you asked each one of us, the answer would be different. I'd probably say New Orleans, but they've got a tricky market for this. Um, Florida, you know, again, Colorado. I think it's not up to where we want to go. I think we just do a little bit of research and market values and I think it'll tell us where to go. And uh, it's easy to get excited about anywhere if you know you're going to make money. Are there any tools that you use that, you know, we recommend somebody, if they want to do their own research, that you recommend somebody to do to access? Sure. This is not an end-all, deal-all, market-down. It's the best investment ever. But one tool that we utilize every time we're evaluating a property is AirDNA.co. Uh, AirDNA is exactly what, that's exactly what they're designed to do is they basically give you a potential assessment of what you can make based on the properties around you. And if you pay enough money, as you know, you get a lot more detail than that and really kind of hone in each property and more importantly, the neighborhoods or the bigger markets that you're trying to decide if that's what you want to be a part of. Um, but more than anything, it's seeing it with your eyes. You know, you got to know what you're looking for, show up at the property and think about as you're driving there, if I'm a guest, would I want to stay here? How's the drive up? What happens when I get to the front door? Can I park easy? Can I get in the door easy? Is it dark? How's the neighborhood? Um, and then the second they get in, this is to me, that's the moment they give you the review. Can they get in the door and does it look like what it did in the pictures? Um, so, you know, gut instinct is a part of this too. But uh, AirDNA would be the first place to go if you're evaluating property. When, when you look back on the, the numbers of a couple of your properties that just blew out of the water, right? I mean, they're not going to be able to capture, AirDNA might not be able to capture those little nooks and crannies of, of neighborhoods. And I'd like, what would you, I mean, if you were to guess, like the 120 property that you mentioned mm -hmm. versus AirDNA's projections, Two to one, three to one. Like oh, one. yeah. So that's fun. Um, so AirDNA, usually it's good. I mean, they're usually high numbers. I think it was like 29,000 and 26,000 for each unit. Yeah, I think it was like 50 or 60,000 for the building. A little under 60 total for the building. And so we, in year one, did about 90. In year two, did 129, I think was the final assessment. Um, so, you know, again, I'm not going to say that if you give us any property, we can do that. All of those other factors are a huge part of this. But we definitely wrecked the AirDNA rankings for everybody in our neighborhood because we're about double in revenue, a lot of the similar houses around us. And that makes it look like I'm going to make more money on AirDNA because that it's using my numbers to show you. Um, so we take pride in that. I, I don't mind wrecking numbers, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's again about 25 different factors that they get you to 129,000. And I'd say AirDNA has probably gotten or has become more of a reliable source, a more accurate source in the last few years. Um, I don't know if that's because like the natural kind of quote unquote saturation in the market, or there's more properties or more like properties, uh, but they seem to be more accurate than they used to be. Well, I know we're running short on time, guys. Um, just one last thing. Um, you know, an aspiring entrepreneur, all the things we talked about, you know, jumping off a ledge and doing it. 
Now, how else would you describe that person that's second guessing themselves? Have, 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 have your plan set first, right? I mean, jump off a ledge. Not, we're not implying that you buy the first property available or that you take the first deal given, right? Have a vision, have a goal, you know, consult somebody you know who's doing it. You don't have to use every idea. This is your plan, your vision, but you got to develop it and have, you know, the first 20 moves built out already. And they may not work out exactly. In fact, they won't. They won't work out exactly how you planned it, but at least start with a plan that you can adjust off of. What, one more question for you. If I were to say, hey, take AirDNA, whatever the number is, and then backing into a net number to use to offset your actual expenses like mortgage, property acquisitions, I kind of just started using 60% of that number and just going off of that. Like, how, how do you guys? Your, we, we, we imply that that is the net number. So the AirDNA number is the net. Through our management company. So we basically tell people that's what you would make if you did it on your own. It's also what you'll probably make if you let us do it. Because we usually do about 25 to 30% higher. But to answer your question, I don't, I really can't because that percentage doesn't exist on average for us. We're probably more like 30%. Yeah. So I, so what I would do if I was looking, 20 or 30%. If I was looking at a property to buy or invest in or have a management company, I would look at that number, AirDNA, and say, do you feel comfortable with this number? After all the expenses are paid, do you feel like this pays the mortgage, just pays all your bills, and you make money? If you do feel that way, then kind of move to the next step of the investment phase. Consider the property in this more seriously. Okay. Can you say that one more time? So, like, if AirDNA says... If AirDNA says 36000 you got a mortgage for a thousand, you got utilities, if you factor all that in and you're getting three grand a year, three grand a month, and you're paying all those expenses and you're making money after that and you're comfortable with that amount, then I would say move to the next phase of investing. So that thirty-six thousand dollars in terms of like the management fee and none of that's included. That thirty-six is your net. So essentially Whatever your DNA says is what we usually say you would make if you just started doing it on your own, trying to do it right, but not having all the knowledge. So, you know, over the next two or three years, do you want to spend 40, 40 hours a month learning and acquiring that knowledge the hard way by going through it? Or would you like to make the same amount and not do anything? That's what we try to offer. But that being said, if you're really trying to do this yourself, yeah, I mean, three years from now, you'll probably have the knowledge and capability of building a property that can get four X traditional. Um, that's just what we, we we want to provide that service with you sitting back on a couch with a lemonade <laughs> or something a little stronger. All right, guys. Well, I mean, you guys have to run, but thanks so much for making time. We appreciate you having us. Uh, thanks, Joel. Vacation homes, Jimmy, Jimmy and Brian. Uh, so I'll have to have you on maybe in the future. Sure. Some goals. We'll, we'll, we'll check back in, but uh, talk soon. Sounds good. Right, so man, we'll appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast. If you're ready to jumpstart your financial journey and take it to the next level, you may want to join our 30-day habit challenge, which you can find on our website, strivefor25.com, strive, F-O-R, the number 25.com. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram by searching strive for the number 25. 
And if you have any questions and want to reach out to us, you can also connect with us on our website. Thank you so much.